<clears throat> Yay, score. We got it, baby. So take your Bibles, please, and go to Romans chapter 12 if you have a Bible. And today we're going to talk about I will persist until I succeed. And I just want to say that God put us all on this earth to be winners, not whiners. Winners persist, whiners quit. <laughs> and we're not whiners. Can everybody hear me okay? My volume good? Okay. So here's, here's a reality check. I hate whining, especially when it's coming out of me. <laughs> but <clears throat> it's my mind, thank God, and I can change it. So that's the great thing about free will is nothing can stop us from being our best from God in this lifetime except ourselves. So today we're going to talk about getting the old self out of the way and getting the new self in the driver's seat. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to leave it all on the field right now for God in this lifetime. Now, Paul said, the apostle, I've done my best in the race. I have run the full distance and I have kept the faith. And the apostle Paul's life was a master class in persistence. The definition of persist, check this out. It's to continue firmly or obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty, opposition, or failure. You know, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up every time. I like that part of the section. <laughs> I, like, I don't like the falling, but I like the getting up. So in Romans chapter 12 and in verse two, it says, and be not conformed to this world because how many people know the world can get a little crazy, get a little wacky out there? Okay, but be transformed, not just change an itty bitty bit, but be totally transformed by the renewing, the newing up of your mind that you may prove and see for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Look, folks, life is all about persistence. Because that's what it takes to change long-held negative worldly beliefs and put on new attitudes about life that conform to God's plan, which is love, joy, peace, happiness, goodness, all this kind of cool stuff. So the renewed mind is really the key to power in living an abundant life. How many people want to live an abundant life? I do. And renewing the mind takes persistence, persistence. We don't get stupid overnight <laughs> and we don't get healed overnight. And that's why the Bible calls it growing up in Christ or becoming spiritually mature. The operative phrase there is renewing your mind, which, you know, we all know that's that word meta, uh, metamorphosis. It comes from the word metamorphosis, which makes your thinking as different as a caterpillar on the ground to a beautiful butterfly that's airborne and can go any place, any time. It's freedom. To renew literally means to make new thought patterns and habits until you create new neural pathways in your brain about how you perceive and deal with life itself. I don't know how many of you have read Dr. Caroline Leaf's book, Who Switched Off My Brain? It's a great little book, but she really teaches a lot of principles about how to get back on track with Jesus. So renewed means putting off the old negative ways of thinking and choosing God's way instead, changing from negative to positive, from I can't to I can. By God's grace, we shall. 
So to transform our mind, we put off, think of yourself wearing the smelliest clothes you've ever smelled on earth. <laughs> but you have to take them off one piece at a time. Renewing your mind puts off is putting off the old stinking thinking and giving ourselves a new positive-based thought process based on love, victory, and peace, which all came to us through Jesus Christ. We don't have to beg for these things. They're in us. We just have to put off the old and put on the new. I don't know about you guys, but I like a new outfit. <laughs> Feel good, look good, makes my confidence go up. And that's what great thinking does for you too. And one of the things that happens in renewing the mind, you start getting more focused on giving than always being needy and having to take and think about me, me, me all the time. So as we talk about persistence this morning, I want you to see it in all of its beautiful applications to life, to sports, to business. But most importantly, I want you to see it in serving God and loving your neighbor. <laughs> and we know we've got to love ourselves first because we love our neighbor, what? As ourself. So you, you're in there too. You're in the mix. And God really does want us to walk in love. And then roll up our sleeves and persist in changing our thought habits from self-seeking to God-seeking. Ron and I went to Kitchen 251 last night. And we were sitting on the deck and looking at the river and the boats. And we saw a woman sitting at a table all by herself. She was really a pretty lady. Probably what, I don't know, Ron, you can't speak back. But I'm going to guess in her 40s. And nobody was sitting there. And she looked like she was expecting somebody. And we just invited her over to our table to offer her, her some fried green tomatoes. <laughs> and she was, in fact, visiting from Colorado. And I said, we're going to watch after you. And her friend didn't show up there. She had to meet them somewhere else. But the point is, we started talking to her. Another elderly couple got involved. And they started in laughing and talking to her. And the next thing you knew, we're having church at Kitchen 251. <laughs> <laughs> just because we're putting ourselves out there and loving somebody. Look, here's a newsflash. Thoughts are things. Thoughts are things. They produce the life you are currently living. Just like an apple seed produces apples and peas produce peas, our thoughts are seeds of our words and deeds. If you're thinking love, you're going to produce love. If you're thinking care, you're going to produce care. If you're thinking hate or failure, well, you get the picture. So here's the deal. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And the person who's never out of earshot of your words is you. So your whole life is a result of what you think, say, and believe. This is why I'm such a big, big fan of Christian counseling. It helps us mend the broken pieces inside of us, get away from self-centeredness or failure, like I'm not good enough or I could never achieve that and replace it with thoughts of God's truth, of victory and life and love. And like we heard this morning in our prophecy, I am loved by the God of all creation. And I have the power to love like Jesus and help others with that love too. That is the renewed mind. And here's an astonishing fact. <laughs> gonna, we're going to change channels here. Do you know where you go to find the most success on the planet? A graveyard. Because buried underneath almost every tombstone, there are dreams and plans and ideas 
that were never brought to fruition because the person did not persist. Somewhere they gave up along the way. And I want to share a true story with you about one woman's persistence. And she happens to be one of my personal heroes. And it's in my book. I saw the light, but he saw me first. And it's chapter 25. And it's page 339. And it says, in 1905, Trudy Ederly had a lifelong goal to swim the English Channel, a feat accomplished by only a couple of dozen people. This 21-mile swim is considered <clears throat> by many to be the ultimate challenge in long-distance swims. The water is extremely cold, so you have to cover your body with thick grease. The channel is filled with jellyfish that constantly sting you along with other dangerous obstacles. And on top of all that, it's one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world. So the water is always choppy and dirty. The winds and the traffic often generate seven foot swells. <laughs> the English Channel is inhospitable to swimmers to say the least. Sounds a lot like life, doesn't it? <laughs> this determined woman trained for years. There's your persistence, month after month, of grueling practice, greasing up her body for the frigid waters, swimming for hours at a time alongside her spotters in a rowboat, then doing the same thing the next day and the next and the next, all in preparation for this daunting 21 mile challenge. Finally, the day arrived for the big event to make the swim. The fog was so thick you could cut it with a knife. She couldn't see her hand in front of her face. 20 plus hours into her swim, Exhausted, cold, covered with jellyfish stings, she finally had enough. Tired and dejected, she swam over and they hauled her worn out body into the spotter boat that had been faithfully by her side through the trip. Shivering, cast down and despondent, she climbed into the boat, but she was utterly stunned by what happened next. When the men pulled on the oars, two more strokes, thunk, they hit the shore. <laughs> Can you imagine her heartbreak? After swimming more than 21 miles, she was only a few yards away from her goal when she quit. Another minute in the water, she would have accomplished what few have ever dared to attempt. I heard that story over 40 years ago and decided then and there that I was not going to be Trudy Ederly, <laughs> who after so much pain, snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. The trick in life is just staying in the game. Don't give up. So here's the rest of the story. <laughs> Even after that bitter experience, Trudy went back the next year. She not only became the first woman to swim the English Channel, but beat the men's time by two hours. Yay, girl power, all right. <laughs> She returned to America to a ticker tape parade and was touted as queen of the waves. That's what happens when we persist. I want to encourage everyone reading this book, don't quit. Your story isn't over. The best is yet to come. Stick around long enough, not just to find out who you are, but whose you are. Through all my personal tri trials, there was Jesus calling me to the safe harbor of his protection and he gave me heaps of love, wholeness, restoration, and forgiveness. That's the real Christ message. He came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. 
which means to make us whole. I love that. He heals the hurts of our past and gives us a bright tomorrow. Boy, isn't that a great record? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So sometimes it's an inspirational life story or a poem that gets you through the day. And I memorized a poem called Don't Quit in my early 20s, and it encourages me to this day. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the victor, the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when night came down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint in the clouds of doubt. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. It's when things seem worst that you must not quit. Edgar A. Guest, one of my favorite poets. And the stuff I'm sharing with you today, back in the day, because this was in the 70s, I was reading all this motivational stuff. I'm sharing with you something we used to call MoTeC, or motivational techniques. And this is like renewed mind on a secular level. <laughs> MoTeC is changing deeply ingrained mental habits from negative to positive. Don't we all want to do that? I do. And, and godly MoTeC is awesome. So these are principles that help us think more like Christ. The Bible says, let this mind of Christ be in you. It's already in there somewhere. We just have to let it out of its prison, out of its cage. And that's the goal of this life, isn't it? To be more Christ-like. And that, my friends, takes persistence. You're going to remember one word when we're finished here today. It's going to be what, class? Persistence. <laughs> Remember to continue firmly or obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty, opposition, or failure. So people say, if a thing is from God, it will just happen. I know this was God because it just happened. Look, they've apparently never read the Bible. Abraham, David, Jesus, the first century church. I'm just going in chronological order. They all had difficulties. They all had pressure. They all had to persist and hang in there to do God's plan for their life. And they all changed other people's lives for the better. So number one, to do anything of any godly import, first of all, you got to have a desire. If you don't want to do it, you know, you can just log off. <laughs> You're wasting your time here because this is for people who want to be better. So the first thing you got to want, you got to have a desire to change your thought life. And then you've got to stick with that until true positive habits, mental habits, reform pathways in your mind. I did that years ago. I started doing that when I, I was taught in the first church I was in in my 20s that counseling was evil. <laughs> so I had, that's why I was reading Dale Carnegie and uh, Norman Vincent Peale and all these other people, Charlie Tremendous Jones, because I needed counseling and I was getting it out of books. And one of the first things I learned was whenever I caught myself speaking a negative, I would immediately replace it with three positives. How cool. And if you do that enough, you start catching yourself quicker and coming back, as James Brown would say, on the good foot, sibity. So, <laughs> and the second thing is you got to persist until you succeed. I am, my personality Ron, you've probably known me the longest. I am 180 degrees from who I was 20 or 30 years ago. And that's the point, to change for the better. 
And the thing is, I didn't get messed up overnight. I didn't get straightened out overnight. It took persistence. Yes, Izzy, that's my dog. It took persistence. And the thing is, that's how transformation comes in Romans 12 too. We just stick to the plan and start first and foremost, speaking to yourself, words of L-I-F-E, life. So in, the, in this case, I like the word obstinate because God gives us a word, a plan when we're quiet, when we're meditating. He often shows me what I'm supposed to do that day or places to go or like by inspiration last night, we ended up at Kitchen 251, which is right where Ron and I were supposed to be to bless these other three or four people. And the thing is, when you get that in your heart, stick to it. There's another great example of persistence, a great man of faith that I wish more people knew about in our society. I'm, I'm petting my dog if you wonder why I'm leaning over. And his name was George Mueller, and he lived in the 1800s. And God had given him a vision to give away, to not ever ask anybody for money or ever have a charity event, but to give a home to orphans. In his lifetime, George Mueller ministered to 10,000 orphans, 10,000, and established 12 schools without ever asking anyone for a dime. He persisted in believing the vision that God called him to so much, he, he just totally trusted God to bring his word to pass. And <laughs> he refused to be around anybody that was negative or a doubting Thomas. And as a matter of fact, he fired one of his right-hand men that had worked for him for over 20 years because it was getting like two minutes till eight o'clock. The breakfast was supposed to be at eight and the truck, the bread truck hadn't shown up. And one guy said, up, said George, I just don't think it's going to happen today. And he said, I love you, brother, but you're fired. <laughs> he just couldn't be around negativity because he couldn't let that infect his thinking about God's plan, he had to hold on to just the positive to let his dream come true. Because you know what? There are dream stealers out there. There are people that the minute you tell them your wonderful plan, they're going to find out nine ways to Sunday to, excuse me for this word, to poop all over it. You know, they're like nasty birds. <laughs> and you've got to be careful who you share your dreams with because you want to tell people who are going to believe in God and with you. Those are the people you want to bring in your inner circle. So here are just a few biblical examples of persistence. In the word of God, you don't have to turn there, but we're going to, you know, Abraham, he waited 40 years for God to bring the past the promise of Isaac. Jacob hung around 20 years working for a donkey, is what I'll be nice, named Laban in order to marry Rachel before he returned home. David, King David, was anointed king by Samuel 15 years before he took the throne, and Saul was trying to kill him the whole time. You know what those three people had? Begins with a P. Persistence, right? You all make an A. <laughs> and Jesus was the most persistent person who ever lived, obviously. He never, he never blew it. And yet he himself sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. Knowing what was before him, he was in such mental stress. He sweat as drops of blood. And you know, that's an actual medical condition. 
You can be under extreme, such extreme stress that you literally sweat blood. That was how stressed out he was because he knew what the Old Testament said. He knew what they were going to do to him. He knew they were going to nail him to a tree. But he persisted because of love for you and for me. Man, what an example. And then there's a book written about Paul called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. <laughs> I love this book because it has 12 scrolls that supposedly it's fictional, but supposedly he gave it to Paul who took the word over the world in the known world in his day and time in something like two years and six months. This is why we have the Bible today is really because of Paul. He wrote all of the church epistles except for about five. And the thing is, the book is called The Greatest Salesman in the World, but it's really Motek, <laughs> godly Motek. And there are 12 scrolls that teach you how to change from negative thoughts to positive thoughts. And it affects, it changed my life when I read this back in the early 70s. And I want to share with you today scroll number three. And oddly enough, it's called I Will Persist <laughs> Until I Succeed. Fancy that. So just close your eyes and listen to this. I was not delivered unto this world in defeat, nor does failure course in my veins. I am not a sheep waiting to be prodded by my shepherd. I'm a lion. And I refuse to talk, to walk, to sleep with the sheep. I will not hear those who weep and complain for their disease is contagious. There's George Mueller. Let them join the sheep. The slaughterhouse of failure is not my destiny. I will persist until I succeed. The prizes of life are not at the end of each journey, not nor near the beginning. And it is not given to me to know how many steps are necessary in order to reach my goal. Failure I may still encounter at the thousandth step, but success hides behind the next bend. Failure I may still encounter at the thousandth step, yet success hides around the next bend. That's Trudy Etterly right there. We just read about her. Never will I know how close it lies unless I turn the corner. Always I will take another step. If that is to no avail, I will take another and yet another. One step at a time is not too difficult. We don't do this all at once. It takes persistence and time. I will persist until I succeed. Henceforth, I will consider each day's effort as but one blow of my blade against a mighty oak. The first blow may not cause a tremor in the wood, nor the second, nor the third. Each blow of itself may be trifling and seem of no consequence, yet from childish swipes, the mighty oak will eventually tumble. tumble. So it will be with my efforts of today. I will be likened to the raindrop which washes away the mountain, the ant that devours a tiger, the star which brightens the earth. I will build my castle one brick at a time, for I know that small attempts repeated will complete any undertaking, even changing our mind and our thought patterns. I will persist until I succeed. I will never consider defeat. I will remove from my vocabulary such words as quit, cannot, Unable, impossible, out of the question, improbable, failure, unworkable, hopeless, and retreat, for they are the words of failures. I will avoid despair, but if this disease of the mind should infect me, 
I will work on in despair. <laughs> Boy, that one came in handy for me in 2019. I will toil and I will endure. I will ignore the obstacles at my feet and keep mine eyes on the goals above. For I know where dry desert ends, green grass grows. I will persist until I succeed. Changed my life, one of the 12. In hearing this, please keep in mind that Jesus never said, believe in yourself. Jesus said, believe in me. That's where true persistence comes from. To do anything in life correctly, it's that old hymn to Jesus, I need you every hour. <laughs> After the Bible, the book I most recommend to people is The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. <laughs> because it has 12 scrolls. And one of my other favorites is I will greet this day with love in my heart. And it teaches you to look at yourself and other people completely through the eyes of love. It's probably nine bucks on Amazon written in 1968, 50 million copies sold. But I'll tell you, it's a, it's a mind changer. And the thing is, he, he ends the book by giving these scrolls to the apostle Paul and saying these words, even the word of God must be sold. And you know, the first person that's got to be sold on the word of God, you, <laughs> if you don't have the measles, you can't give them. You're not contagious. <laughs> so we are Jesus sales reps. When we live his words of life, and then we truly, as I like to say, represent, represent, baby, get with the program. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm your guide. I will lead you to green pastures. I will restore your soul. I will lead you and protect you through the scary dark valleys in life. I will make your life a bountiful feast in the presence of your enemies. I will anoint your head with oil. Surely my goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Where is that friends? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. What a way to live. But to do that, you got to believe the words of the shepherd in order to receive the, those words of the shepherd, to persist in thinking and speaking the words of life. Because Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If we don't stick to him like super glue, <laughs> then we don't get all the juice that we need to produce great fruit. And it is imperative in transforming your mind to stay connected to the vine, to live in Jesus' presence as much as possible. I'm going to close with a little section in Genesis 28 about our brother in the Lord named Jacob. Jacob, one of the twins. And he was called the supplanter because he robbed his brother of his inheritance. Whoops. <laughs> Thing is, that was of God, but still, that's kind of a whoops when you do that to your twin brother. So in Genesis 28, 11, Genesis 28, 11, after Jacob robbed the inheritance from Esau, Esau, Jacob was kind of frail. Esau was like a hunter and he was a hairy guy and he could kill the, you know, the game and yada, yada, yada. And Jacob took off like a scared rabbit because he was afraid of Esau's wrath, <laughs> probably for a good reason. Um, so he wandered like the first day and a half or whatever, and he just fell over because he was so tired in a desolate place. And you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to quit. 
He wanted to quit. But that night he had a dream. He laid his head upon a rock for a pillow and he had a dream and God showed him a vision of God's plan for his life. He saw angels going up and down ladders. And then he heard this booming voice say, I am the Lord God. And then God proceeded to lay out this plan of what he was going to do for Jacob in his lifetime. And it was an awesome plan, an awesome future. And he gave Jacob direction. And in verse 15, God said to Jacob, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Do you know what? God's already said that to you and I in nine ways to Sunday in the Bible. He's already given us that promise. He's with us everywhere we go. And in verse 16, and I, I love this verse so much, Jacob woke up. <laughs> I love that. Metanoeo, Jesus calls it repent. When you have a wake up in your heart, Jacob woke up and said, surely God is in this place. And I knew it not. I was not aware. Folks, God is everywhere present. But we are the ones who have to wake up to that reality that God is everywhere with us. And ain't that the truth? The Lord is in this place. And all too often, we just forget that we have the greatest help in the world living around us and within us, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And for 20 years, Jacob, remember, stayed with Laban. But you know what he was doing in that time? He was learning how to get out of his own way. He was learning how to be, got, he got duped a couple of times. He learned to be wiser in the spirit. And that changed his whole trajectory in life to the point that God changed his name from Jacob, which kind of means heel or thief. And he changed his name to Israel, which means one in whom God's will prevails. Think of that. One in whom God's will prevails. But Jacob was the one that had to go through the transformation in order to let God's will become preeminent in his soul. And as I said, in Harry met Sally, I want what Jacob's having. <laughs> I want God's will to prevail in my heart every day. Because surely, even as we speak this morning, you know what? The Lord is in this place. He's in North Dakota. He's in Minnesota. He's in Virginia. He's where all you people have logged in from. He's everywhere all at once. And we just need to continually bring him into our life and into our thought process. I repeat, Jesus never said, believe in yourself. He, matter of fact, he said, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? He said, listen to me, follow my voice. I'm your good shepherd. Those who know me, they will hear my voice and they will do where I go, where I lead them, what I say. So Jesus has promised to guide us. He's promised to keep us. He's promised to make our face to shine. <laughs> and that is where we need persistence practicing the presence of Christ, listening to God, listening to his son all throughout the day and be flexible because, you know, somebody told me one time, Peg, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> so I make plans because it's good to have a vision, but I also plan flexibly that when God throws his thing in there, I'm ready to do his bidding on top of mine. So it's never too late to get started in a new career at 40 
to fall in love at 50, to learn to dance at 60, to start a whole new life at 70, because that's what I'm doing at 72. <laughs> Folks, stop saying you can't. Stop saying you can't. Start saying you can and you should, because here's the deal. Dreams have no expiration date. Just stay at it. Just persist and you will succeed. So anybody out there ready to persist? Come on, let's see some hands. Let's see some hands. All right. If you can't raise your head, you're not going to get too far. <laughs> Are you ready to do God's will here on earth, right in the here and now and get to the finish line? Let's light this candle, baby. So Lord, you are in this place and we love you. We choose to allow your presence to override every negative experience we've had in life. Like a luminous veil of light, you hover over us, in us and everything around us. The trials of life simply help us stay conscious of how much we need you every hour. We seek your will, we seek your help, even in persisting in seeking the life you've laid before us, in speaking life and in sharing the life of Jesus Christ with others. We lay our hearts bare before you and we love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we will persist until we succeed. And all of God's people said, amen.